Hey there, I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. And on this episode of Our Taste is Trash, we review the indie comedy Theater Camp, discuss the ongoing divorce of Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas, and talk the A24 AMC team up for throwback horror movie releases. So remember to review and follow wherever you listen. Stick around. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome into another episode of Our Taste is Trash. I'm Josh. And I'm Jade. Jade, uh, it's uh, there's there's a lot going on right now. Oh yeah. It's kind of crazy. So my my wife is moving for work, and I'm going to visit her this week. And <laughs> just without you, yeah, just, you know. Without me, yeah. She was like, I'm kind of fucking sick of this. Kind of fucking sick yeah. of yeah. She basically was like, I'm sick of you. No, but uh, yeah, she's uh, overseas right now in uh, Ireland. And uh, it's been a chaotic week because we're renting our house. Uh, we moved some of our stuff. Uh, and uh, it's it's kind of chaos. Yeah, that's fun. It's Yeah. And so uh, if you hear a dog during this episode, it's because our dog is here. We're recording in, in Jade's place uh, because yeah. my house is empty. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're doing right right now. Yeah. So, you know, we're... we're a little bit of a crazy setup. We got a lot going on. But... Jade has told me what we're talking about like four times because she's been planning the show since I've been running around. And yep. uh, I'm literally just kind of thinking about what we're supposed to be talking. But I do know one thing, Jade, that I want to talk about <laughs> oh, yes. that we are going to talk about first. Absolutely. Have to give an update on the Sophie. I'm just going to call it the Sophie Turner drama because yeah. she's winning this drama. It's not drama for her. It's serious. It's drama for Joe Jonas because he's a fucking piece of garbage. I'm just coming to understand. Which is wild because I feel like up till now. It's not. He- it's not wild, Jade. Because okay. you know why? Because you know what someone reminded me of? Mm-hmm. All of the Jonas brothers are fundamentalists. Fundamentalist Christians. And that's how yeah. they were brought up. Purity and rings. This I is, will always bring that up. This is the fundamentalist Christian men that are raised in that society that have toxic traits that come out in these ways look at what he's done immediately to not have blame on himself mm-hmm. he has smeared his wife without really telling her that they were divorcing because oh she found out yeah. in the media Guys, let's backtrack so where we left off last episode was that joe jonas had created a pr campaign stating that sophie turner was partying and clubbing and she had this terrible lifestyle and so I had said that this basically sounds like a ploy to get full custody by saying that she is basically a neglectful parent. Or yeah. to, to get something over on her yes. in the divorce. So now it's come out and basically this uh, legal paperwork that Sophie Turner has filed that she wasn't even aware of the divorce happening until it was announced publicly. Which, which by the way, the filing, I looked at the dates. I think the date between the filing and the announcement in the press was like mm-hmm. 10 days. She didn't days. know for 10 days that no, she was getting well, divorced. So basically what happened was they had an argument. So they had been planning the whole, the plan the entire time was to move back to England where that was going to be where their forever home. That was where they, they were going to raise their kids. Joe agreed. They looked at houses. They've been house hunting for like six months. Yes. Like three to six they, months. They purchased one. Yeah. And, and literally the plan was because Sophie was filming for a new show and Joe was about to go on tour. So Sophie said, take Take the basically like Joe was going to watch the kids while uh, she was doing the nanny was going to watch the kids well, yeah, while yeah, Joe was out obviously there. He's on tour. <laughs> yeah. But basically, he was going to have them while she completed her show. And then once the show wrapped, the plan was that she was going to have the kids in New York and then oh. until they moved to the house England. in yep. England. Yeah. So essentially, while they were in New York, Joe basically created this basically had this whole fucking plan because at this point, he decided. I'm not moving to England. I don't want to do it. And Sophie was like, well, too little, too late. We bought a house. We're doing it. This is what we agreed upon. We, we agreed to raise our kids because, and that's why actually, so so the, mm-hmm. the big news, not to jump ahead too much, Shade, but the big news is we saw Sophie go to dinner with Taylor Swift, who, for those of you who don't know anything about Swift, Joe Jonas is one of her exes. Yes. So she wrote a song about him. So surprise, surprise. Yeah. This is what Taylor does. But what we find out is that in September was the agreed upon month yes. that Sophie was going to come back, meet Joe, 
and take the kids back to England. Yes, but he has put a stop to that because he's withholding their passports, which is akin to kidnapping, essentially. And so that is part of the filing that Sophie has is that basically because he's neglecting to give up the passports, he's not allowing the children to move with the mother to the home that was purchased and agreed upon by both parties where their children would live. So now it's turned into a hot fucking mess. But the best thing that Sophie could have done is she has remained silent, silent. this entire time. Fucking Casey Anthony, this shit. No, it's oh, a terrible comparison. No, but, no, like, no. <laughs> but, no, but, but truly, though, by her not giving in immediately to the media and trying to defend herself or give her side of the story, just releasing the legal documentation only and like not saying anything else has put her in the best possible light because it showcases that to her ultimately this isn't about a he said she said this is about family this is about her family exactly that's what this is about for her yep and that's what i think is the best thing is she's like she's showing us that the most important thing is the kids and number one not because when you're in the public eye, your children are seeing it too. So it's divorce is already messy when in real life when it's just a mom and dad and a house in the suburbs and you're not famous. But when you're in the public eye the way that they are, I mean... And the, again, I think, the, like you said it, the genius thing about Sophie is mm-hmm. that one... I think she is genuine in what she's trying to do. I don't. I. I, I, Absolutely. And even if she's not, the perception of her being genuine is what is being portrayed. Yeah. Because look at what we've already seen Joe Jonas do. We've already seen he was the one essentially who filed for divorce. He was the one that filed for divorce. Yep, he did. We already have all these rumors circulating in the media, all this slander against Sophie, the ring camera. We don't know what that said, but some bullshit about a ring camera. Oh, God. Some, you know, bullshit about her being a party girl. All this stuff that he then had to walk back at one of his conference, our concerts. Yes. And semi-apologize. Not really apologize, but said, don't believe anything you hear that's coming from me. So now it just sounds like you can't trust anything that he says because yes. he's not really telling us what happened. No. We have, quote, people close to him that are telling us all of these rumors yet no one in Sophie's camp is coming out and saying anything Sophie herself is not coming out and saying anything because she Mm -hmm. has nothing to explain she has done nothing we haven't seen her anywhere whereas you know what we also see with Joe immediately after this is photos with his kids going out something that in the past for anyone who's followed celebrities that Sophie Turner has been very against is getting photos in public with her children. So again, anyone who follows this, who understands celebrity culture knows this about Sophie Turner. And we see her sticking to her guns, sticking to her beliefs and morals through this where we no one really knows anything about Joe Jonas aside from his music and like he has a bland fucking he has the whitest personality of anyone <laughs> impossible he's boring as fuck yeah he's a cardboard box but what we see here because we have TikTok and social media is someone who's being disingenuine so it doesn't matter what he says at this point he's a piece of shit because he's talking out of both sides of his mouth yeah absolutely I mean I, like you said I was just about to bring that up of like I, I think this is another reason why I believe Sophie is in the right because she has always been overprotective of the kids, making sure they are not in the public eye, making sure people are not taking photographs of them. Like she's been always been the advocate and the one that's pushing that. And now we're seeing that clearly that's not Joe's concern because he's just out and about with the kids, letting the paparazzi take photos. It seems like for him, this is look how great of a dad I am with my kids. It's a PR opportunity. But also he's, Remember in the beginning, he's been spotted without his wedding ring, then with his wedding ring on it. So it's this game. It yes. just seems like this game. But Jade, can I tell you what I'm most excited about this whole thing, mm. this whole divorce? Yes. I feel like this is playing out like a Game of Thrones episode. Like we have now House Jonas and House uh, <laughs> Turner, Turner, who yeah. are in a battle with each other. We now have... House Swift, who has joined up, joined forces with House Turner, which just makes her ever so more powerful with all of the Swifties that follow her. Oh. And now we have a situation where, you know, House Jonas is kidnapping children (laughs) 
and keep holding them ransom while the other houses are trying to rescue them. Like th- this could literally be a Game of Thrones episode. Like we need one of those videos that like shows us the battle plan of what's happening. Oh my god! Someone who's really really good at this, like edited like a, a YouTube video together oh, and make, make a whole thing yeah. about it because it would be absolutely incredible. But yeah, you're right. And it, honestly. Look, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. Sorry to those who are. Like, I have nothing against her. Just it's not my personal thing. But, oh, my God. When you are aligned with T-Swift. Dude. Like, you're untouchable. That was my first thought. Like, if like, if Swift says one word. Like, if she says one bad word about Jonas. Forget about all your fans. Those those concerts yeah, that, will be fucking empty. But if you're a Taylor Swift fan. And oh, you see her hanging out with Sophie Turner. You're oh, now a Sophie Turner fan. You Absolutely. Yeah. If you had any Jonas Brothers music. If you were a Jonas. You're burning and, it. You're burning it. Tomorrow. It's gone. Like. I know. That's it. That's yeah. it. Sorry. Yes. So, uh, anyways, I cannot wait for the rest of this to unfold. I cannot wait for Sophie Turner to just absolutely fucking annihilate Joe Jonas in court. I hope she gets her kids. I hope that she moves to England and she lives a happy... I hope happy, she takes all the Jonas money, too. Beautiful. On her way out. Like, well, like, it'll just be his money, yeah. not the brother's money, sure. but... I'm interested, actually, to see how Priyanka feels about the whole situation, because... I don't know if her and Sophie were tight, but I also feel like, I don't know, like she's older, more mature. Like she's also very like protective yeah. too, like her kids. Also to not to take up the whole show with this, but uh, there was a page six article that came out that basically said, or I should say, no, there was a page six article that I believe got edited mm, because yes. There was a part in the original story that the Jonases didn't want in there that basically said Kevin and who the fuck is the other one? Nick. Nick. Are the ones that encouraged Joe to seek a divorce against Sophie. So it just looks like all three of them are pieces of garbage. Yeah. But again, not that surprised. Not at all. Remember, I said the purity ring. This is it. Last episode. Fundamentalist Christians. Because to me, that's a that is an absolute signal of where their mentality is. Yes. And what type of thing they brought into because you know what relationships. If I could see Joe being this boring ass person who thinks that he needs a little housewife, yet he married Sophie Turner, who is a successful woman. Oh my god, has a successful career. Did you ever watch the the Jonas Brothers roast? No. Oh, I, I have seen clips now. It's okay. coming back, but I, I don't really remember. So all the wives at one point got up and did a roast. And literally Sophie's was the fucking funniest. And she roasted the ever-living shit out of Joe. And I was like... So he deserves. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, because she is the personality in the relationship. Yes. She was the one that brought them to the, to the status that they are at. Like, the whole reason they're a fun, cool, like couple in the public eye is because of her without her you know the couple you know what i think of when i think of the couple now i think of princess diana and fucking uh charles Charles. like jesus christ the only reason that couple's interesting is because of diana i mean looks like same thing (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like a wrinkled (laughs) thumb that's been in the water too long but that's what and you know what joe's gonna do after this he's gonna marry some boring ass person from a church that we've never heard of that's probably blonde that yeah, has Kevin no personality. Did. His yeah. wife, Danielle. The, the, Which, by the way, during that roast, she 100% pretended that she had, like, strep or something and couldn't speak, so she used these, like, fucking cue cards. And it's because she cannot tell a joke not, to save her fucking life. No personality. Life. Yeah, and yeah. she probably had joke writers write them for her. And I was like, that's because she has the personality of a fucking wooden board. Like, yeah. so sorry to that woman. Maybe she's nice. In, I don't know. In case you couldn't tell, we're very... Team Sophie here in this Obviously. Queen of the North, like that's yeah. just what it is. May like, she rain. May she rain forever. Like yeah. that's that's it. Like yeah. there was one person, like one celebrity in Hollywood that was like, "I need you guys to take sides, Sophie." All Sophie, the, all, I don't care. I could watch her. Like you know, absolutely. What? I could I could follow Sophie like people follow Donald Trump. Like if she killed I someone, would watch I'd be like Phoenix for her. Yep. Like you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Look. I have always loved the Jonas Brothers as in terms of like music and following them because I was young, was a young girl, yeah. whatever. Um, and they have like a special little place in my heart. But at the same time, I can drop them like that. A hundred percent. Like, you know what I mean? Like their yeah. music isn't that fucking special to me. Like it's, no. you know, come on. You're 3000, not even an original song. Not at all. No. Yeah. 
So. Well, Jay, should we talk about some movies, like, uh, just for a little bit, just for funsies? Yeah, I guess uh, that's, like, what we do yeah. here. Yeah, you know what's fun <laughs> is, uh, one of the other things that we had seen this week, I think you had sent me the TikTok, is, that's how we find out everything these days. Does anyone, does anyone find out news from anywhere else these days? No, I, some people do, and it shocks me. It, it's not often. Like, most of the time I see it on TikTok, and then I see it. In a news article. Later. Yeah. Or the news articles come out, but because TikTok made it popular, so yep. then it appeared to other people. 100%. Yeah, like on their Google or whatever. Well, A24 has done it again. They are winning the SAG and writer strike in the best ways because yes. they are the only studio, or at least I should say not the only I one, think like the one only of like popular one that we yes. know the name of that is, you know agreeing with the terms of the writers and the actors because they see them as fair and needed in the industry. But they're teaming up with AMC for this next month to re-release some of their horror films (gasps) because essentially we're at that point that we talked about months and months ago where, Mm -hmm. yes, there are still movies coming out. You're still going to see some new movies coming out. But... There are less new releases coming out in theaters because the strike is having an effect on Hollywood, and you're going to yep. see less new releases in theaters as we move forward from this point. Yeah, but it's exciting because we get to see things like The Witch is coming out uh, <gasps> yes. in October in theaters, guys. Which this movie, if you haven't seen it, fucking I, terrifying. I still haven't seen it, Jade. <gasps> I know, crazy. Uh, well, we need to fix that. Yeah. Well, what else is coming out though? Uh, we have a re-release of X, which we have reviewed on this podcast. Um, an oldie but a definite goodie, Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson. Oh, um, isn't that like 2010? Yeah, it's just an oldie but goodie. Yeah. That's, that's one of like the earlier um, films of A24. And that's before we even knew the name A24. Like, yeah, it's before you yeah. knew what the studio was. Uh, but that one's I also highly recommend as well. Um, and then we have Midsommar. Florence Pugh. I mean, come on, I feel people. Like, am I wrong in saying that like this is one of the films where like we really started paying attention to Florence yes. Pugh? Well, not only that, but like, yes, like well, I think this one put her on the map a little yeah. bit. But I also weirdly think this put A twenty four on the map in terms of horror mm. films, you know, as well. Like they've already been, of course, well known. They already had a few very successful films, but I think they became known for this like high level horror and and this is my type of horror movie and I think that's why I started paying attention to A24 after this as well because I like I don't know how to describe it but I like creepy horror mm. movies not jump scares I mean slashers are fine those are just kind yeah. of like I don't want to say cathartic but like they're just kind of like whatever to me but like yeah. The creepy, like, there is no monster. There is yes. just, like, like Babadook is another one for me. Yes. Like, ba- it's like, like a tension. It's a tension. A- and it's also, like, it's, like, slightly psychological and emotional. And it also has this realism to it. Like, yes. you could believe that this happens somewhere. Yeah. You and know? And film that has, like, kind of an undercurrent that makes you feel anxious or tense the entire film. Mm. It's just, just, it's so hard to do, and when you do it well, ugh. Maybe not a great example in the same realm, but like Blair Witch Project's a little bit like that for me. Yes. Because there's no real monster, it's just tense the entire time. Yeah, because all you're seeing in these people are just, they're scared, and they're running, and you don't really know what's going on, but there's, you just know something's happening, but you don't know quite what, and it's the silence that is the most terrifying. Like, mm-hmm. I feel that way in Paranormal Activity. I was, like, Jay, Paranormal Activity, I was the just first one, The guys. first one, everything else is trash. Yeah. All the other ones are trash. But, like, the, the tension that they build, you never see this entity. You, there's not a ton of action that goes no. on. There's a few, like, jump scare scenes, but the rest of it, again, it's just a small undercurrent of Jay, tension, because you're just waiting for something you to happen. Could argue like the scariest part of this whole movie it, it sounds crazy to describe it like this but think about it for me the the scariest part of the whole movie is watching a couple sleep in bed the wife stand up and stare at her husband for <gasps> Josh, four hours that, that part puts me on edge to every i can't i've seen that movie three times yes. and it still freaks me out to watch that scene same it's literally it's this it's just her because what happens is they fast forward the tape and it's just hours and hours of her, her like standing. basically not moving, just like yeah, like watching him. And I was like, that is fucking terrifying on its own. If even if you told me this wasn't a demon and there was nothing else going on, if she was just doing that, horrifying. 
Because either she's psychotic or yeah. she has a severe mental break. Like yes. there's like something, something going on. Something weird is going on. And I think that type of stuff has always, it, I think she's always going to ring um, true as like being horrifying because again, I think it's this feeling that, that it gives you that like you just, it sits in you. Mm. Especially too because it feels real. Like a person I, can do that. I'm thinking about it now. I'm getting freaked out. Like yeah, I'm no. thinking, I'm thinking about it now. Like. Terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, Jake, should we take a first look at our movie this week, which is, what did we watch this week? Theater Camp. Theater Camp. Holy shit. See, I I told you I can't keep it together this week. Theater Camp. I want to say two things before I ask for your opinion, Jade. One, this movie is a case of the trailer being better than the movie. Oh. The marketing team knew what they were doing. But two, I also... And I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting it no, into a. They just a, took the best parts. I they think. took the best parts, yeah. and I feel like they even took parts that weren't actually in the original film. Probably because there was a lot of uh, what's her name from the bear. Oh, uh, uh, I, 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 I Beery. Yeah, there were a lot of scenes of her in the trailer that I don't think were actually yes. in the movie. Well, you know what's interesting is I found out that the vast majority of this film was improvised. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. For the way the movie is, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All that. But this movie also wasn't at all what I expected. I don't know what I was expecting. Same. But this was not it. And I... I also didn't realize it was like a, a faux documentary style. No. And, it, and honestly, it didn't need it to be. It didn't need to be. It didn't need to be. I agree. I don't understand why it was, and it was never explained. Like, I, I hate now, because I think I'm going to blame The Office... I, I blame the office too. Faux documentaries that don't actually go anywhere. Like, no. if you're going to do it, then go all Modern in. Modern Family, where it's never addressed that they're being filmed, but they Parks have, and Rec. Same with, yes, Parks Both and Rec. Both the same way. They do the they same never thing. address they're being filmed, but they have, like, the one on ones with the camera, like, called Talking Heads, and then they, like, constantly look at the camera and I'm like okay but it's never addressed that they're being filmed and same with this like it's supposed to be faux documentary there's like the title cards everything they talk about it being a documentary but no one addresses the camera crew no not once once and then also like what is it for or is it being premiered like anyways uh, we'll get more into that I think later but, but I mean I think though I'll just say this I, I hate to give a recommendation before we review but like I'd give it a shot so I, you know, if you if you it's something that you're, you have a Hulu subscription, yeah, it's interesting. I would say initial thoughts. This is not quite what I expected, but also met my expectations at the same time. Yes, if that makes any sense. I, I think we're on the same wavelength. Okay, okay. I, I think we're yeah. good. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll review our movie. It's Theater Camp. It's streaming now on Hulu. presentation what up Adirondack listen up squad gang maybe uh zip it can we just get you guys to shit oh what a beautiful oh that's dope Welcome, auditioners. You guys are so talented, so unbelievable. This will break you. This will fully destroy you. Congratulations on being the most talented kids at camp. Our movie this week is Theater Camp. is streaming now on Hulu. And, you know, just as we get into this, Jade, can you tell the folks maybe a little bit about what this uh, film is about? Yeah, so it's about the eccentric staff of a run-down theater camp in upstate New York who must band together with the beloved founder's broy son to keep the camp afloat. I knew this was upstate New York before the movie. I mean, barely, like as the movie was starting, I was like, this is definitely the Adirondacks, like 110%. Oh my God, the fact they're called the Adirondacks. Uh, love it. Yeah. Well, this film stars probably the most recognizable people are Ben Plott, who is in films like... Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen. Pitch, Pitch Perfect. Perfect. Yep. He was in the series The a Politician oh, on yeah. Netflix. That was really big. Yes. And then we have uh, Molly Gordon, who is in Booksmart, uh, You People, and... The Bear. Oh, the, she is in The Bear. That's right. Yeah, Bear Season 2. I was trying to remember where... And then, I mean, speaking of The Bear, we also get 
Um, why can't I ever say her name? Iota Berry. Iota Berry, who I thought was going to have a much larger role in this movie than she actually does. Um, and then we also get... Uh, we have Jimmy Tatro, yes. who's from, um, if you guys recognize him from American Vandal Season 1 on Netflix. He's also actually a very famous YouTuber, which is where he got his start, kind of doing co- sketch comedy, um, especially playing the frat bro, which is what he does best. <laughs> 100%. And he's also been in things like... 22 Jump Street and yes. The Machine that I haven't seen yet. and He plays the younger version of that comedian in The Machine. Ah, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yep. That actually makes a <laughs> lot of sense. Wasn't he in like, I'm trying to think of what other TV series I've seen him in that I just know him. Maybe he's just... He's also when I think um, Tacoma PD on Max, and that's the Broken Lizard Troop. He did Super Troopers. That's their original television series. He plays a cop in that. Um, nice. Listen, I know this might sound crazy, but I love Jimmy Tatro. Something about his little, like, scratchy, bro-y voice cracks me the fuck up whenever I watch him in anything. Oh, he's hilarious. Because he plays into the stupid, broski, like, whatever, but he does it, and he does it so well to the point where it's like, you have a hard time believing, like, is this who he really is? Or is that just the character he plays? I always call him, like, a poor man's Channing Tatum. Like, yeah. that's what it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, like I, I'm excited for him because he always does the role so well that I think you forget that he's playing a role. You're like, oh, it's just, it's just cast this guy and that's just how he is. And also what's interesting is this is actually directed by Molly Gordon and uh, as well. And Nick Lieberman. Nick Lieberman. Yes. Um, uh, and the writers are also Noah Galvin, Ben Platt, Molly Gordon, and Nick Lieberman, three of which we mentioned are also starring in the show. And what is interesting about this, I think, Jade, you mentioned this while we were kind of in pre-production, is a lot of this film was improvised, which makes more sense. I think it would make more sense upon a rewatch. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I had read it before I even watched it. So then while watching, I was like, ah, okay, now I understand. Because it's basically this documentary-style format that the show is being filmed in. So there's a lot of these, like, quick cuts because it... It looks like the documentarian is taking little snippets from different things that they filmed, um, but it worked so much in their favor because it's really just snippets of the best, probably improvs that they did while they were doing it. A hundred percent, and I think that's what makes this movie a little more interesting because obviously it's about theater camp and <laughs> having the film improvised, kind of like an onstage improv. Yes, makes it. And more true to the film. Of course, the writers, directors, and stars are all theater kids themselves. Uh, ben Platt, that's where he got his start. Hey, I believe his, Obviously. Yeah, in case you guys didn't know, he's also from a very famous theater family, and so is Molly Gordon. Um, and Noah Galvin, who's a writer in this, he plays Glenn Winthrop. Him and Ben Platt are actually in a relationship. So this is very much... Oh, that sound- actually makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't know that. Yeah. This is very much sounds to me like a group of friends <clears throat> that got together that were like, hey, uh, like let's just like write this project. And they just kind of came together and made it. And by the way... Iowa Dabiri and Molly Gordon are also really close friends. They went to school together, along with what's the actress that was in Shiva Baby? <gasps> oh my I god! I can't remember her name. Why don't I know? I know who you're talking okay, about. But the three of them all grew up in school together. They're all best friends, and so you're going to start to see now this pattern where most of them are in each other's projects, which is why I believe Molly Gordon is in season two of The Bear. Is, is it? Is it Rachel? Um, yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Who is in films like I'm doing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of what else she was in. I know I've seen her in more things than that, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, so I can totally it, see that. it seems kind of like this new age kind of group. Like, do you remember when it's like Judd Apatow had all his friends and a bunch yes, of shit? Yes. Like we had that whole era and we still kind of do. Well, what was interesting, too, about this film is if you look at the executive producer list, you have people like Will Ferrell. So yes. obviously they've made some great connections to kind of say, uh, you know, hey, we can we get a little bit of money or some assistance with production companies to make, yeah. you know, a passion project here. Absolutely. And I mean, they got a limited run in theaters and now they have a deal with Hulu. So, I mean, yeah, this, this film's doing things. Well, after we gave them some accolades, Jade, why don't we <laughs> dive in with the trash? What was trash for you about this film? Uh, I think... Overall, what was trash was the kind of lack of linear plot in a way. So I understand 
the the idea is that Joan, who owns and runs the theater camp, she gets she's in a she has a stroke. She's in a coma. Her son is Troy is taking over running the camp. He is not a theater kid at all. He's like this finance bro. And the idea is that he's working towards making sure that the theater camp doesn't shut down. Meanwhile, the rest of them are all starting a production. I think for me, it would have been nicer had we had a little bit more like, I guess like scale of time. I think that's what was losing me. Like, I didn't know how long this camp ran for. Was this during like the summer? Was this like a two month thing? Like how long has she been in the, has she been in the coma? Like, and you know, all these bills, like, were they, they basically, was she going to get shut down regardless? Or is this because of his poor management? I want to go a step further here, Jade. I honestly, as much as I enjoyed uh, the character of Joan, Mm -hmm. and she kind of plays a central role in the film, even though she's not there. And she's also the, um, she is, I always forget her name. It's Amy Sedaris. Yes. But isn't she also, uh, Bojack Horseman, the voice of yeah, she's uh, Princess Buttercup or no, no Princess, no, no. Not, but it's Mr. Peanut Butter and <laughs> Princess Princess Fuck. Oh my God, what is it? She's, she's the, the cat. She's the pink cat. Yeah, she's the pink cat. Uh, and she's also Anyways. recently was in uh, Mandalorian, I believe, as well. Probably. Yeah, I think she's. A, yeah. But it, she's a great actress. But like, honestly, I think the entire Joan storyline and Troy storyline wasn't really needed in this movie. Like, no. I think they could have played a secondary role, which they kind of did, but I mean, even yeah. more so. Like, I didn't need the camp worried about it being sold. I didn't need yeah. Joan in a coma. I didn't need... All, like, all of that stuff didn't matter because the story between Ben Platt's character yes. and, uh, was, and and Molly Gordon yeah. was so strong, and their dynamic... Yes had enough that, that I think me, was fine. It That was enough for me. Exactly. That to me was the central storyline and should have been the central storyline from the beginning. The fact that these two kids, basic people, kids, people that grew up together at the theater camp and became kind of codependent and worked there. They wanted to be performers, but they kind of involved themselves in their lives to the point that they don't pursue other dreams or goals. And like, that was more interesting and that felt more heartfelt, especially by the end. Because even though the camp was saved by the end, I was like, oh, yay, okay. But you like, never really felt that the camp was in any danger because right. nothing really changed. So yes. it didn't matter. It didn't like, actually affect anything. And I don't think it, like I said, I think because it didn't matter, I didn't need it. Like, I think it would have been funnier if you had had Joan actually in the, you know, for a couple more scenes, hired yes. her for a few more scenes, kind of putting the camp together, but then just having Troy there as like, you know, this guy that's fucking everything up because yeah. she's maybe trying to bring him in. Exactly. You know, or doing something like thing that. Where she's like, I, my son needs a job. I'm giving him a job at the summer camp, you know, because he can't get anything else. Like, I thought the same exact thing of like, he could have easily, because I still think the character of Troy is really funny and I do like some of the things yeah. that he brings, but I agree. I don't think the whole like, Losing the camp should have been the central storyline. I think following because it wasn't like I think they. I wasn't. think that's how they built it in the original script. But yes. like as we're listening to it, the the real story was, you know, obviously these kids trying to, you know, make something of themselves at camp. Yes. But but the the story of these kids was being told through the two main characters yeah, who were going and, through a struggle. Yes, especially too because they are a reflection of what this camp produces, right? Yes. Because they were kids once themselves at this camp. They had the same hopes and dreams as the children that are there currently. And yet here they are just teaching at the camp, and not, I think, not following through. And I think too, because we see like, you know, Ben Platt's character, you know, saying, you know, in the beginning, like, oh no, I'm not a teacher. I am a performer Before who just happens to teach. And then at the end he realizes <laughs> I am not a performer. Like, I do enjoy performing, but I am a teacher sure. who enjoys teaching. That's why I yes. keep coming back. Right, because that moment to me was more special when he was talking to Darla and Darla, like, or and I think it was Darla's grandmother was like, you don't know, like, how much she's gushed about you. You were harsh on her, but you pushed her to be a better performer. Because she leaves the camp because she booked she, a job. She booked a job. And it shows exactly, like, his value and how much it means to, like, the next generation of, of, of performers. Yes. And, 
And whereas, yes, like, you know, his, well, I guess they're not really a couple. They kind of are, but not really. They're just codependent. They're codependent. But Rebecca, Diane. Rebecca, but like Rebecca's character, she wants to perform. She truly believes she is a performer. And, yes. and we find has given up performances. Yes. She, to continue teaching. She got an audition at Juilliard and ended up not even taking it. Which so is she, fucking wild. Like insane. Jay. Yeah. Come on. Just so she could stay with Amos and work at the summer camp. So it shows that she definitely has the talent and the skill. And she, when she books the job on the cruise, it shows that she still has the talent and the skill. But he, basically because of their codependency, like he's kind of weighing her down because he's not the same level as her in terms of performance. But... No, I, I think that probably would be the strongest trash for me because there's so many things I, I so much enjoy about this film. But I think had they focused more on that relationship rather than the uh, camp closing, I think they would that, be stronger. That was my the the, the storylines that didn't need to be there was one. Two, mm-hmm. the faux documentary made yes. no sense. Absolutely agree. Some parts of it were funny, sure, like the little title cards. But ultimately, it led to nothing like had it been at the end that the documentary was released and then some of these people got famous and got careers because the documentary that would have made sense i would have been like oh i got discovered because i was on this documentary but like that never happened instead they were like this person booked a show in a local theater and this person wrote a book and it has literally nothing to do with the documentary and i was like okay well then what's the point yeah there was not no but there was some treasure in this, Jade. So what was oh. treasure for you? Oh, okay. So obviously with this being written and directed by theater kids, um, they went 100% captured just the absurdity of what it means to be in theater, to be a theater kid. It's wild. Um, as a theater kid myself, I was just cackling. There's so many things that rang true. Number one, just the level of inappropriateness that comes from the teachers. J- I... Can I can I say something about that before yeah. you go on? Because I have an example mm-hmm. that I realized. I was in a kids version of TikTok, or not TikTok, kids version of Shakespeare <laughs> for a community theater where people actually paid tickets to come in. It was a small theater. Um, I was in this, you know, more this troupe, and I still remember I have a card from one of my teachers who said because we were laughing, we all laughed. We're all under the age of like fifteen, most of us. They. She would laugh and say, I'm going to put you all in tights. And she actually wrote a card to me. and was like, one day I'm going to get you in tights. I was fucking 15 years old. Like, I'm not saying it was inappropriate because it didn't really feel that way. But like, these are like like crossing a line. 30 something year old woman telling me at 15 that that she wants to get me in tights. I'm sure she was joking. But like, those are just things that are accepted. Like you, like themes and things when you're acting are accepted that aren't accepted yeah. any other well, time and not only that but i just remember like in theater like i remember the like the teachers just telling us too much personal information about like their personal life relating that to the shows we were doing shows that were definitely inappropriate for our age group like you're playing <laughs> like i mean my god in high school like they do chicago and you know like or Rent. jesus like you know what i mean like and these like you're just introduced to so much so young and it just i found it so funny and not only that but it's um the trope of the theater kid themselves when they when the lights go out and the theater kids are doing all these like weird fucking little ghost story things around the flashlight and they're being so dramatic or like when they're the servers and they talk about this is the first time we've had immersive acting experiences and i was like oh my god i remember that like even though i was a theater kid i was like not that level of theater kid uh, yeah but there was yeah. if you ever i don't care if you're if you've done more than like one or two plays you're kind of you a theater kid but you know the theater kids yes. that were like that like i knew when theater I kids to like, to like that state festival where the entire state of florida would all come to like perform act learn whatever at this like four day long festival um i remember meeting some of these kids and i was like holy shit like i thought maybe i was fucking annoying as a theater kid but my god my god so they some, take it way too seriously i was dying when one of the kids <laughs> you think like he's buying drugs but he's like is this authentic and you find out it's like throat coat tea and he's oh like oh my yeah god. that's throat coat and i was like yep mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's well, yep. it's because kids are like, oh, like act like they're method actors at yes. age like twelve, and you're like, that's not, it's not a thing. 
Yes. It's not- and everything is over dramatic. Everything is overacted. Everything is like they sing constantly. They dance con- dance constantly. And this is like no hate, by the way, because at the end of the day, like the theater kids run the world, right? Like that is Broadway. Those are theater fucking kids, you know. And I'm grateful for that because then we get incredible performances. Um, but it's just it was just so funny to watch and to see, and the way that they were portrayed. Also, I think they did. I'm an absolutely incredible job of creating these very distinct characters as well. Like you had Rebecca Diane, who was a composer, but a performer, but never made it. She was held back. Amos, who took directing way too seriously with like 10 year olds. Um, I loved Gigi, the costume designer who was a hot mess um, <laughs> and absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, Glenn, the tech guy. Oh, but, Glenn, oh. the tech guy, had the best storyline of anyone. Uh, of all of them. Because he's like, he, he, he just like so slowly comes out of his shell. Yes. He's like, oh, you know, because um, he's teaching, because they all teach classes and he teaches, of course, like the stage. Like theater tech. Yeah, tech, yeah. yeah. And he's going, yeah, you know, maybe you just do this because dance is full. And then he does a spotlight number where he's teaching kids oh how to gosh. do spotlight that's like full yes. dance. And that I'm like, was, oh I my God. I love so much because the kid's like, uh, could you move more so that I'm challenged? So he's like, okay, how about this? And like, does a full on fucking beautiful dance number and all the kids are like shocked and he's like um it wasn't even was it good was Was it good was that good and like I'm like oh my god like that his whole thing and also by the way during tech week aka hall week um him fucking running around with the walkie and so did you ever do tech Jane Yes, because I took stagecraft in college. I did, I did tech as well, and that's one hundred percent accurate. Like, I was never, I was never at the level where I knew everything, but I knew just enough. So I always remember watching this other guy when I was in community theater. Like his name was Al. Al had to fix everything, everything. during tech week, Dude, like Josh, lights that were broken, wiring so that was like I was bad. Assistant director on a show that we took to a competition at USF. It was for One X and. The person that was normally supposed to be running the lights was sick. And I remember my theater director being like, Jade, you're running lights. And I was like, mm. How the fuck do I do that? Pardon? So she brings me to the booth and she's like showing me the light board. And I was like, you're fucking out of your mind. I, Josh, I'm like 17. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I have this giant professional light board in front of me at a professional theater. And I'm like, you want me to fucking do what? Yeah. Like she's like, and then she, she shows me really quick. I managed it. I figured it out. But I literally was like, this is beyond me yeah like you know what i mean and but his little like roll down the hill because like he's not going fast enough yeah and then like as he's like running because like the fog machine broken he's like i'm dodging pilgrims left and right <laughs> like he's like people are on the walkie like yelling at him and i was like this, this is so fucking it's those little details really, like i mean i remember once i we what was funny is because we were actually in a theater called the firehouse theater oh love but the fire alarm went off in the middle of a show <laughs> so the guy on stage freezes i run out of the booth we didn't ha- didn't have a key someone had a key i had to go get the director from backstage we're all sitting around watching and then all having a conversation about whether we should evacuate the theater or if we should just go back into the booth and continue the show and the guy on stage the, show must go on, the guy on stage just starts talking again so we all make the decision that there's probably not a fire and we should probably just all go back to the show yes <laughs> Yes, 100%. We had a CD basically die, like just skipped and fucking died in the middle of a performance of The Wiz. And I remember my friend Jeremy, he played like The Wizard and it was like during his like number when he like the CD's like ee, 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 uh, 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 and then like just died. And he goes, remix! And then like continued singing the song a cappella. And the audience literally like cheered and screamed and was like, this is amazing. But like, yeah. it's like those tiny little things that like showcase what it means to be a theater kid and this was obviously written by theater yes. kids I mean you can tell and if you're not one I think this is such a great example that it immerses you into what is this world what am I watching like what is this like and, and it's funny because it's theater camp but it's also camp like half of it is literally camp I also love um, the role of Iota Berry's character Janet who they're desperate to hire more teachers and they hire her and she completely lies on her resume about knowing anything about theater. So she's supposed to be teaching things like mask work and 
stage combat. And I love the conversation she has with the kids where she goes, so what is stage combat? The fucking answers. And they keep it's answering in no, metaphors. It's, you know. It's, <laughs> it's literally metaphors. And then finally she was like, okay, but... What, what is, is stage combat? And finally, one kid is annoyed and answers and is like, it's when you learn how to fight on stage. Like, and oh, <laughs> oh, I can do that. What I love, too, though, is the uh, there's this character. I forget what his name is, but he's this kid who obviously isn't a theater kid. He, oh, the one that sings the Post Malone song? Yeah, yes. exactly. He, which is a great scene. But, like, my favorite is when... They're sitting there, and he finally nails his part, and his counterpart is weeping, and <laughs> <gasps> not the Ma- tear stick. The tear stick. So like, M- Molly Gordon is like, "What is she's using?" And, and like, they both, everyone freaks out. The way she, she runs up on they stage, they both get on stage. Yes, she rolls like barrel rolls on the stage. They're just like, show me your hands. And like, they look at her hands, and the kid is like, what is fucking what happening? Fuck is happening? And he's like, what is that? And she's like, chapstick, I swear. No, it's not. It's not. Give it up. And he's like, okay. And he's like, you are a user. And they're like, what is. What? Can she's somebody explain to me? It's a menthol stick. Tears stick. And she like, starts rubbing yeah. out her own eyes and starts crying. Like, what? And she's like berating her. <laughs> at one point, Amos, because Amos fucking says, he goes, do you want to be the Lance Armstrong of theater? <laughs> I have that one of my quotes. That's one of the quotes I wrote down. By the way. No, then you need to get off get the stick. Stage. Promise us you won't use it again. And I was like, it's like she's fucking doing meth. And like, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like this this next level yeah. of oh, shit. I, Jay, even in when I did uh, film or like just, just, and this is indie stuff where like no one's getting fucking paid. Yes. Like people would use onions or something or like other things to help cry and like the debates on set would be like, oh no, that has it's to be natural. No, don't, you can't do that. It's inauthentic. Oh and I'm like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking? Just listen. Make I the can, scene look good. I can fucking cry at the drop of the hat. <laughs> I can make it happen. Um, I wish I didn't. I'm always impressed, though. The the one bit of acting I'm always impressed by is the actors or actresses. Usually, it's actresses mm-hmm. who can like do like one tier, the like single the tier. single tier, or the or like. Do you want both oh. eyes and then the single tier? Do you want the left eye, the right I eye? I kind of can too. That's I can also do blowing. the tears that don't actually come, <gasps> so your eyes glass mm. over and it holds in your Those eye. Are the best. I can do that too, yeah. and it's because I feel like that's like. Like Anne Hathaway was that yes. theater kid, oh. where she's like, I can Florence do. Florence Pugh can do it really Florence well too. Florence Pugh can. Do, she does though. Her thing she is the quivering lip. The quivering lip, but like the tears that don't come. Yes. Like she is perfect at it's that. It's like the glassy eyes. Yes. Yeah, I can do that. Um, like that's just because of trauma. But like, so I think what we're saying here, if you love theater, theater camp is your movie because it is everything that you've oh seen. 100%. In theater, and it's better. And even if you haven't, watching it for the absolute ridiculousness that is every single scene, it's like pumped up to 11. Like, there's a, oh my God, one of my favorite things, again, as because Janet's lying about everything, like, is when she's doing improv class with the kids, and she's giving them a prompt, and it's literally just the Kardashians. She's like, <laughs> you're a beautiful woman. You're famous from a sex tape. Your whole family depends on you. Oh, no, they're not renewing your reality show. <laughs> it's great. Oh, my God. Yes, so good. Well, Jay, who do you think had the best performance in this film? Oh, God. Uh, it's hard because I feel like the screen time was shared with so many people. Um, but ultimately, ooh, this is a weird one. I don't know. I'm going to kind of say it's between Ben Platt and Molly Gordon together. I think this was their movie. 100%. And I think that both of them brought the most emotional depth and the most intriguing characteristics to their character. Um, but I also just want to give like an honorable mention to the little girl that played Mackenzie, a.k.a. the girl with the tear stick. Yes. <laughs> because not only was that scene brilliant, but also... When they do the actual play later in the movie, she was so fucking good. And I was I'm like... I'm convinced that all of these kids are Nepo babies and or actual theater kids. Yes. Okay, so her name is Bailey Bonick, and she plays Mackenzie, the girl with the tear stick. And literally, I was like, this girl is kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah. I want to give a mention to Noah Galvin, because oh. I think his character, it, he was subtle the entire Underrated. time. But yeah. like, I wish every time he was on scene... I wanted him to have more screen time. Yes. And the fact that 
he was the one that was the understudy that saved the day in old, in Joan. the last play as old Joan was amazed because you you would think like oh it's a theater camp maybe they have an understudy that like is a child but no they they bring in the sound guy the fucking stage guy to do and him and drag was just oh, next okay. level when Amos comes out because he expects his whole play to go to shit because he's like I lost the lead we don't have an ending like this isn't gonna happen and he comes out and he fucking sees that it's Glenn yeah. doing the performance of Old Joan and he's like what the fuck but also it's because he Glenn looks so good. So so good as old. And Joe. his voice is so good. The performance, yeah. incredible. I was like, I really wanted to see that play. I was like, this play, Josh, amazing. The intro song being "Women Can't Read." <laughs> <laughs> I love how it started out like overtly racist and inappropriate, like and sexist all at the same time. I'm like, this seems like a play. The cut to the audience reactions of that song was so fucking funny. Everyone's like, um. What am I watching? Because simultaneously, the song was sexist, racist, and I don't know, yes. maybe like... And not only that, but it's like, what do they have to do with Joan? No, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So good. Uh, uh, but, uh. Jade, I do have a few quotes that I oh, want to go I over for this. a lot of fucking quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I had a gale time. So, my first one here that... <laughs> so, I think they all happen around the same time in the fucking show but like the first one is when they're doing the <laughs> they're doing the auditions for all of the plays at the theater camp yes and the i forget which which person this is which which kid it is but they sing you know i have a dream from les miserables oh yes and they go oh that's a good song song choice like like this is amos like ben platt and he goes it's a good song choice for her i, I would totally believe her as a french po- <laughs> prostitute and rebecca's like amos and he goes sorry sorry sex, sex worker. worker thank you thank you and i'm like of course that's of what course. i'm saying it's a wildly inappropriate level like from them yes um so this is right off the bat. This is our first intro to Troy, played by uh, Jimmy Tatro. So he's like making a video on like his phone, and he's like, his whole intro is, "What's up, Troy Jans? It's your boy Troy. Just right off the bat, want to keep it real with you guys. Feeling a little naked without my ring light, but you know what? We still out here." And then he ends it with, "Long story short, theater put my mom in a coma." <laughs> <laughs> I also have a Troy one. This was uh, uh, Devin was that kid's name. That was kind of not the oh, theater kid. And yes. like another funny scene with him is when he they catch him playing football with the other kids, like oh, yeah. from the other camp. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I I I just wanted to like play play sports, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 but I, I'm telling them about theater. Like it's, it's it's cool. No, no, really. No. Um, but this is when he's singing the song, the Post Malone song, as his oh, audition, and yes. everyone else is like." And Troy's there, and he goes, yeah, what's up, dog? Finally. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, uh, can you clear uh, out of the way? Thank you. Thank you. Can you sit down? Uh, that? And then Troy's like, that was bussin'. And Amos is just like, um, it's inappropriate to get feedback during the audition. Yes. Inappropriate. And, he's, and, and then he tells the kid on stage, uh, please don't internalize that and continue. Yeah, yeah. Please don't internalize that. It's <laughs> like so fucking serious. Oh my God. This is, oh my God, this is also right at the beginning. This is um, between Troy and Glenn and Troy asks Glenn, he goes, quick question though, uh, what's a straight play? And then Glenn's like, well, there are musicals and then there are straight plays. And then Troy's like, so then uh, what would be a gay play? And then Glenn pauses and he's like, I, I, I guess a musical, which was so fucking funny because I remember that in theater, like the first time the term straight play got brought up and I was like, what? Straight? What are, what are we talking about? I literally had the same fucking yeah. thought as Troy. I was like, oh, so is this like a, just like a non-gay play? Like non-gay, what are we talking yeah. about here? No gays and it literally just means like a non-musical. A straight yeah. play is just a non-musical, but also, so fucking accurate. Musical being the gay play. <laughs> it's uh, like everything's clicking. Um, no, I I love this one by Gigi. So this is like they're doing like um, he's creating all the costumings for people. And he looks at one of these kids and he goes, it says you're allergic to polyester. Why? Because <laughs> obviously all his costumes are going to fuck polyester. Why? Oh my god and then also there's another scene with him too where he's showing them these like victorian paintings and there's this, this like one of this like woman she's got like her tits out her eyes look a little bit weird and he goes this is me at coachella kind of cross-faded looking for my friend chad 
there's also this like cut scenes of where they're just showing moments of like the teachers with the kids doing crazy. So Clive is the dance teacher and he's like, jiggle like a jackal, jiggle like a jackal. And then at one point Rebecca's doing voice warm-ups and she's like, Wolf Blitzer has a blister on his upper lip. <laughs> and I was like, I knew she's not talking about Wolf Blitzer having herpes with these children. Um, yeah. And then this is like around the campfire, Gigi, again. He's quoting Joan, who basically, he was saying how, like, Joan found him what he's good at. And he was like, Joan said, you can't sing, you can't act, you look amazing, your skin is glowing, and your outfit is unbelievable. And she was right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And in the same moment, Clive catches Janet basically, like, questioning her because, again, she lied on her resume. And he's like, what are you doing here? at the camp and Janet's like what are any of us doing and he's like no 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 no. what are you, you doing, doing. <laughs> yeah like, oh my god and there's another one where Clive the dance teacher is like talking to all the kids and he goes you need to know that only three percent of people make it the rest of them end up at a mental facility or a go-go box in hell's kitchen <laughs> oh. it's uh, it, it, it there's I so mean, many. I can go on and on. There's just so many incredible ones. Like, there's one that is so random, Josh, that I caught because I, this is how my brain works. So, do you remember Carolyn Krauss, the woman that, like, is trying to buy the camp oh, yeah, and yeah. sleeps with Jimmy Tatra's character? Another weird storyline that didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah but that was still. so necessary. But at one point, when she's, like, coming in with, like, the builders or whatever, and they're, like, ripping up parts of the theater, and she's like, oh, we bought this, whatever. Some random kid goes, get her knock off Chanel bag out of here (laughs) (laughs) and the whole time dude I literally paused and I laughed I was like I need a moment because that was such a throwaway thing and a part of me is like because so much of the movie is improv all I kept thinking was like did that kid just fucking yell it on his own 100% probably 100% and if he did because I can see, listen, if it was really Molly Gordon and I mean, which we know directing, like, yeah. and she's friends with Ben Platt, I could totally see Ben and her just being like, yell some shit out. Like, we're going to do a scene, yell some shit out. Like, yeah, if it's funny, just figure be it outraged. out. Yeah. And then these kids are just saying shit, and that kid, especially that if you have a room full of actual theater kids. Yes. Come on. Of course. It, that line floored me because I was like that is so fucking funny and it's almost unnoticeable unless you pay attention and then um I just I just this is a small one but we're doing the actual um play and it's like studio 54 and then the one girl that she's like this like 10 year old and she's doing tech and she goes and cue cocaine and then it cuts to them like pulling this giant white like feather bow that's supposed to be cocaine and I was like yeah, this just sums up everything. So my dog's losing it right now. So I think yeah. that means we should probably get to our, our rating. rating of yeah. this show. Jade, where do you rate this? Um, I think it's going to be obvious for me. This is a treasure. Really? Yeah. I I don't know. Are you thinking gem? I'm thinking this is a gem for me. Like, yeah. but, but do you think you'd definitely watch this again? I think so. I think maybe it's more of a treasure for me because... Because I experienced this, like, growing up as a theater kid, I felt like this just hit home for me on so many levels. And there's also so many layers that I feel like you would understand more. Like, I think it's enjoyable for all audiences, but I think especially if you grew up doing theater, I think this has some different levels to it that I just, I don't know, I connected with so much. I think I'm just going to stick with my gem just because of okay. some of the trash that we mentioned earlier I, that just yeah, did it I for me. It. And I'm, this might be one I regret because I'm might because i definitely going to rewatch this film and it well, might be knows, one I regret. As we've talked about before, sometimes we like to change our rating as we sit on a film <laughs> so I could drop it down to a gem. Josh could bring it up to a treasure. Well, we'll see. We'll find out. Well, that was our review of Theater Camp. It's streaming now on Hulu. <laughs> going to need to prioritize the musicals which means the straight plays are going to have to be acoustic quick question what's a straight play there are musicals and then there are straight plays so then what would be a gay play i guess i'm a a musical oh cool i know this one's a theater camp classic so we only have three weeks to create a masterpiece it's on you now all on you. Let's do this. And cue cocaine. Weekly watches.
once again, our movie this week was Theater Camp. It's streaming now on Hulu, and Jay, let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about some of our weekly watches. Uh, are you keeping up with Only Murders in the Building? Oh, I am. So I, I don't want to delve into it as much as we did last time, but I mean, we got a twist mm-hmm. in this episode. I mean, kind of finally. Kind of finally. <clears throat> I don't know if I care. That's what I'm saying. Like, I... I'm so annoyed because I, I've been bitching about it, of course, as you guys know, um, that we haven't really been in the same like format. It hasn't felt the same this entire season. And they finally dropped this and we're like, okay, great. But also it's like, it's a little too little too late. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. so late in this season to be given this kind of information that I'm kind of like, I, and, you yeah. know? I mean, we'll see where it leads. Yeah. I, it was kind of interesting, but I just... I don't care about the storyline. Like, I want to know more. Right. Exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know how many episodes we have left. It can't be I think only like three. Two yes. or three? Yeah. So, I don't know where they plan on going with it, but I guess we'll find out. But you tell me more about why I'm seeing Reno 911 oh popping God. up. And you sent me a clip, but I've been seeing yes. Reno 911 pop up. What's going so, on? So, they rebooted the series. So, if anyone who remembers... Reno 911 originally ended in 2009. They did kind of a soft reboot on, do you remember that app, Quibi? <gasps> Where it was like extremely Barely. short form, like video clips of like stories. It was like 10 minute yes. stories. And like that's what you were watching. So Reno 911 got soft rebooted on Quibi for like a season. So like each episode was like seven to 10 minutes long. And that was during 2020. So that was like during COVID. So, you know, you're kind of like, oh, it's just like maybe like a fun COVID thing. Yeah. Um, But they decided to do like an actual full reboot. Um, And it had premiered on Comedy Central. I believe this latest season is done. Um, But I've been seeing clips of it everywhere on TikTok. And it is so fucking funny because obviously now they're taking into consideration all the new things that we've been experiencing, especially with police and in the political climate of 2023. And the way they do it in the kind of Reno world is so fucking funny. Like they have these incredible scenes. Like one was like, they get a call and there's these two white men that are just fucking armed to the tits with like all these weapons. They have like AK-47s. Like, and the reason they got called is not because they actually have all these guns, but it's because the um, straps that they use to carry the guns are entangled in each other and like the officers have to like untangle them. And it's so fucking funny because it's obviously like the, it's, it's mocking basically our current political climate and everything I've seen so far of this past season from these clips from the official arena 911 TikTok have been so good. And now I'm like, I think I have to like get back into Reno and also I want to rewatch it. So for those who are interested... Reno 911, uh, seasons one through seven are streaming now on Paramount Plus. Uh, then it's new season, season eight is on Comedy Central, and I'm sure at some point it's going to stream on Paramount Plus. Nice. Oh, yeah. I come in the yawn there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and just very quickly, I watched Wheel of Time as well. I don't know if you're still into the show. Another oh. fantasy show that uh, we're no, into. I never got into Wheel of Time. So we're back in. I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted about this season. I'm still interested, but okay. I think it's one of those shows that is struggling to figure out how to catch up from a good season one. Because I, I enjoyed their season one. I thought season one was solid. They had a good plan. There was a good overall arch. And now it kind of seems like we're... I don't know. Like, you know when there's a midpoint in the series? Like, it... it I don't think I'm going to be happy with the way this season ends either. I think it's just going to be another cliffhanger to set up a season three or four or five, like mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So yeah. it's interesting enough. It's just, it feels slower than season one. Yeah. I, I can't do the slow shows anymore. I'm starting to learn with myself every once in a while. I can depending, but if it's, I feel like you like, see, I'll tolerate slow fantasy. Whereas I feel like you won't. You'll tolerate slow... I like slow drama. Dra- like drama, but like it has to be like uh, like detective or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's sort of intrigue to it. Yeah. I, I agree on that, which actually... Because I'll fall off a slow detective story. Like, I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm Oh, no. Yeah. I'll watch forever. I'll watch one of those like like uh, like Norwegian murder mystery dramas that are <laughs> incredibly slow. 
but I'm like so into You're it. In. Yeah. I'm in it. Um, speaking of murder, um, I watched this new show, uh, Wilderness, on Amazon Prime, and this is, I believe it's supposed to be a miniseries, but um, it's a story about a couple who moves from England to New York, and the husband has a lucrative uh, job doing marketing PR for a hotel, and so his wife had to give up her career, and she ends up being kind of a stay-at-home wife. Well, during this time, he ends up Having an affair, she finds out, and to make it up to her, he decides to book the ultimate road trip across the U.S., and she takes this as an opportunity to plot his murder. So, Jesus. yeah, it is a very interesting, riveting um, season where, honestly, I did not expect to go where the show took me. Like, I completely was like oh, we're going to spend every episode with her getting an opportunity to kill him and she doesn't or something gets in the way or like, yada, yada. like you know what I mean? I was like, I don't know. Like I yeah. kind of felt like I knew where it was going to go. And then it absolutely did not go in that direction. And I was like, holy shit. Very rarely does a show surprise me. And this is one of them. And I think that's why I kind of have um, a bit of a high praise for it. And it, it kept me interested. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, Jade, uh, for next week... We are not reviewing a movie because I'll be yes. traveling uh, to Ireland. So we're going to come up with a fun mini-sode idea, I think, just in the interim while we're traveling. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure that out. Maybe Irish movies. I don't know. We'll, mm. we'll figure it out. But uh, to find out more, where can folks find out more about us between now and then? You guys can follow us on all of our socials. We are on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Our Taste is Trash. You can also find us on our website, OurTasteIsTrash.com. Come back next week uh, for a surprise because we're not sure what we're doing yet ourselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, join us again next week on Our Taste of Stretch.